today we're going to be reading Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 19, verse 10. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, All right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. This story about Zacchaeus is so impressive. I mean, forgive me if you already know this, but tax collectors were so despised. I think it helps a bit to import that scenario into our modern context. So let's say that hypothetically the U.S. conquered Iraq, but instead of trying to create a democratic republic, we simply absorbed this nation into one of our territories. We set up a puppet ruler or governor that's Iraqi in nationality, but completely loyal to the U.S. And then we started to send our IRS agents over to collect revenue to fund our infrastructure and military. Only our IRS agents knew they'd get killed trying to collect taxes themselves. They stick out like sore thumbs. So they go and find people who don't mind turning their backs on their own people to not just collect taxes for the U.S., but with this badge and authority that they'd be given... They'd have tacit permission, basically, to extort whatever they needed to stay comfortable and loyal to the occupying forces. So those guys, those Iraqis, would be so hated. They'd be the unscrupulous 
backstabbing, conniving, treacherous traitors building their own personal fortunes by oppressing their own brothers and sisters. That's Zacchaeus. And Jesus strolls into Jericho, sees him, calls him by name, and invites himself over to dinner at his place. And I don't think it was just to see how sweet his crib was. I'd like to imagine that Jesus got a certain amount of pleasure out of maybe rankling people's stereotypes and the social norms and the moral high ground. But that's probably just me reading myself into Jesus. Jesus always had an eye out for people like this. He called them lost people. And he knew when their hearts were even the slightest bit open to the kingdom movement, he was kickstarting. And he gravitated to them. He would reach out in every opportunity. Regardless of how poor you and I are at imitating Jesus in this, I think we've become used to thinking of Jesus with the least and the lowest. I mean, we just assume that, yeah, that's who Jesus is going to hang out with. Because we already know that the Pharisees were the judgmental bad guys. But what blows me away about this story then is Zacchaeus' response. I mean, there's got to be a ginormous narrative gap between verses 7 and 8. I mean, how soon after Jesus got to Zacchaeus' house did he make this mind-bending declaration of what he was going to do? I assume they at least had dinner. What was the discussion like? What stories did Jesus tell? What questions did Zacchaeus ask? How did Jesus respond to him? And we'll never know on this side of life. But whatever took place, Jesus must have just rocked his world. Zacchaeus gives away half of his wealth. I mean, his net worth. I don't think he was just talking about his cash and his stocks. Like, all of his stuff. Plus, how many people was he going to have to pay four times what he cheated them. Zacchaeus used that conditional word, if. But he didn't mean like, you know, if anyone was offended, like there might be somebody out there. No, no, no. He knew he cheated people. The if means, for every person that I know I cheated, I will pay them back four times as much. So Zacchaeus had somehow instantaneously grasped the value of this kingdom that Jesus was offering. He was that man who found a treasure buried in a field, went and scraped together all the money he could get his hands on in order to buy that field and own the treasure. Zacchaeus bought into an investment strategy that looked on the outside like losing his mind and giving everything away. But in Jesus' economy, he was the most sound financial decision that anyone could make. Zacchaeus instantly learned what it looked like to be a rich man in Jesus' kingdom. So, what's our response to Jesus' offer? We kind of need to evaluate every area of our lives like Zacchaeus did. Is it all lining up with Jesus' kingdom and values? Or are we holding out? I 
also don't mean to just ignore or skip over that first story either. So I want to I want to check back into chapter 18 and and take a look at the blind man as well. I I chuckle whenever I think of Jesus asking an obviously blind beggar what he wants. I mean, isn't it obvious what he wants? But I think it points more to our biased assumptions uh, that Jesus doesn't get caught in making. What if the man had simply asked for money instead? What if he had asked, hey, why don't Jesus, could you heal somebody else? What if he had asked uh, for Jesus to settle a financial dispute that he was having with his brother? I mean, it could have been anything. Jesus wanted to know what the man most desperately wanted, what he was going to ask for. And the man said, I want to see. And Jesus said, absolutely, you've got it. So for us today, what are you needing from Jesus? What have you refused to ask for? Maybe you felt like it was too selfish of you to ask for something. Maybe you thought you don't deserve anything from Jesus, which you'd be right about, by the way. Maybe you think that asking for something would be a transaction of sorts. Like if Jesus actually says yes, now you'd be on his hook. You'd owe him. And you don't know if you want to give up whatever he'd ask for. But it's not a transaction. It's a gift. And so we need to ask, what do you desperately need from Jesus today? I just want to set up your time of prayer and conversation with our dad in heaven right now. So I'm going to stop talking in just a second, but you need to keep talking with God. What's he saying? How are you responding? What are you asking for? And how is he responding? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to our hearts right now. And Father, would you also give us the insight to know what to ask for? I think a lot of us maybe even skip over or turn our blind eye to some of our deepest needs and hurts and wants. So Father, give us the humility and the insight to ask for what we need the most, but Lord Jesus, for what you're longing to give us the most. And so um, we just ask that you would speak with us now. Have your way in our hearts. Give us your insight. Amen.